Welcome back to Bacon Wrap Business. This is Brad, and I am bringing back a former guest on the show today, Mike Michalowicz. And if you listened to the episode we did a few months ago, it was uh, called Profit First. And Mike is the actual author of a book called Profit First. And it's uh, really one of my favorite episodes because... I learned so much and it was forehead slapping simple, like, oh my God, this is exactly the way that business owners should kind of handle um, their finances, their accounting. And even though that may sound dry to some people thinking about accounting and finance, um, this is definitely not a, a dry episode. So if you have not heard Mike before, I definitely recommend that you go back after today's episode and listen to that. But today I've asked him back because he's written a brand new book and he's got some new and unique insights that I want to share with you. So I'll bring him on in just a second. But by the way, if you are a, a longtime listener and you have uh, are back again, I want to welcome you, virtual fist bump to you. And if you are brand new, and this is your first time stumbling over the show, uh, I want to encourage you to, first of all, hit the subscribe button. And, you know, if you're listening on iTunes, you, so you don't miss an episode. I also want you to, um, to sign up for the newsletter on baconratbusiness.com. I share some things there that I don't share with the podcast listeners and audiences. And if you like my ramblings and musings, I think you're absolutely going to love the newsletter as well. By the way, on the last episode, I asked people to send in a book recommendation or a book that has really kind of uh, been impactful for them. And, um, my listener, Mike, actually sent in one. I just thought I'd bring it up because it was a great book. It made me go reread it. There was a lot of responses I got, but it was called Free. I think it's something about, uh, by, was it Chris Anderson? But it's something about free, something the future of a radical price. So it explores all the different ways that you can uh, add a freemium model or the ways that you can use free in your business. Now, uh, that's a recommendation. I've read it before, loved hearing about it again. And if you have another book recommendation that you would like to share with me, share that. Just uh, at askbrad at baconwrapbusiness.com. Just shoot me an email. Tell me what book you'd recommend, especially if it's nonfiction or business related that's had an impact on you. Maybe I'll mention it on the show. And uh, speaking of books, let's dive into today's guest and talk about his book. Mike, are you on the line with me? I am here. Cool, I'm man. Here. Well, it's, it's cool to have you back. Um, uh, as I said, I really, really enjoyed your last episode. It was eye-opening, and I got a ton of great feedback from it. Oh, thank you. We, I was fun. I had a blast. Nice. I horsing around a little bit, too. So we, we had a cool conversation. So tell me about what you've been up to in these past few months. You've obviously been busy writing. Yeah, yeah. It's really been the last two years and in the last few months it's become now just all in craziness so mm -hmm. uh, I was approached by a, a reader of, of my other books and he started off with a very nice comment saying I, I love your books and then there was a but dot 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 if um, all my books are of no value and they said in fact most books are of no value if you can't be in the right place at the right time in business mm -hmm. they, they said you know I I can take my profit first. I can do everything to expand it. But if I'm in the typewriter business, uh, it ain't really going to happen. I got to be where people need me when they need me. And that kind of sat in my mind for quite a period of time. And then starting about two years ago, the moment clicked. I, I was actually at the beach 
and watching surfer. I don't surf, but I was watching surfers and just watching how they were timing waves. And I kind of saw the waves as consumer demand, kind of how it rolls through marketplaces and then saying, huh, maybe there's something here to learn from surfers. And that's what I did. So the last two months in particular, I've been putting the final touches on and, and getting ready to promote Surge, my newest book, which is about timing the marketplace. I love your months. cover, by the way. Really cool. I'm, I'm, I'm on the Amazon listing. Surge, oh, cool. time the marketplace, ride the wave of consumer demand, and become your industry's big kahuna. That looks so, really so cool. Yeah, that a- cover, the, the first person I saw, Brad, uh, with that was a surfer, said, you know, surfers don't go on top of waves. They're supposed to go <laughs> pocket. And I'm like, I totally get it. This is an artistic rendition. Does it make a good book cover? I like yours. Yeah. To have a surfer under the wave, get it looks like they're getting crushed by the right. wave is not so appealing. Right. So. Uh, I love it. So so let's talk about timing the market. And um, I mean, so I've not read the book yet. I will, yeah. however. But is it kind of about identifying uh, consumer trend, like new trends? Or is it about what, you know, tell me more. I don't want, I don't yeah. want to guess. Give me yeah. the So it's, it's specifically about what's called imminent trends and actually surge is more than just the name of the book. It's actually an acronym. S U R G E are the five steps that I said, I studied all types of businesses. Uh, I met with uh, Brian Smith, the founder of UG to chef Dominic Ansel. He was the inventor of the cronut and oh, tons yeah. of businesses. Yeah, he was awesome. And all the businesses in, in between and tried to figure out, What's the pattern they follow? Well, they all are seeking and positioning themselves in front of what are called imminent waves. And what happens in the surfing community, if if you watch surfers out in the ocean, they aren't looking for waves that are way out, you know, a mile or two out in the water. They're looking for what's immediately upon them. Waves typically come in sets, so there's like three or four waves, but they're evaluating the options in front of them that are about to hit them. Mm. And they may decide that none of the waves are adequate or they may decide one of the waves is the best of the set. Now, they only target one wave. Of course, no one's ever in the world history surfed two waves simultaneously. So they pick the one wave and then they start paddling in front of it. And in business, as I'm starting to talk about this book, I, I can't tell you, Brad, how many people are coming to me saying, well, what's the next big trend? Like, yeah. What's the right? And I'm the like, future. what's the lottery numbers? Yeah, you're right. But my, my answer is there's, Hundreds of them. There's millions of them. In fact, it's not the the massive trends we're looking for. Like you know, mobile technologies can be replaced by teleporting. No, it, it's it's in small categories. In the yarn industry, there's trends going on. In guitars, there's trends. In in consulting, there's trends. But there's even a deep- huge trend in coffee right now. By the way, have coffee. You, have you heard is, about that? Like it's for, going toward like for footwear. Women. It's yes, like stiletto type of, of edginess. Yeah. But even yeah, in the coffee industry, there's trends going on. So we have to pick a segment, an area to look at. It's kind of like surfers pick a cove. We got to pick a segment and then investigate in there what's going on exactly. Mm, I like it. So what were some of the biggest, you know, revelations that you had? Well, first of all, I want to hear yeah. what the surge acronym means. And then I want to okay. hear some of the biggest revelations you had and, uh, give some epiphanies to, you know, myself, the audience, like, oh, crap, that's kind of cool. Like, yeah. why is why is your book need to know as opposed to nice to know? <laughs> By the way, one of the things that, so I don't forget it, because I definitely wanted to hit on this, you just touched on something really important about surfing. And if you're in business and you're a true entrepreneur, 
you have no shortage of opportunities. And usually, if you take every opportunity, which I've absolutely been guilty of in the past, then you just find yourself completely struggling. It's no, knowing which waves to say yes to, which waves yes. to say no to. So, I, yes. so not to ruin your epiphany moment for me, but give me either another epiphany, what surge means, yeah. and um, make, make my listeners go, oh, damn, I got to read that. Okay, so here's the oh damn. So let me tell you what surge stands for. S stands for separate. So before you pick an imminent trend wave, you got to pick the cove you're surfing in, that small community. This is the niche selection. Most people skip this phase. They say, what's the next big trend? And don't consider for who. So identify the who first. Mm-hmm. U stands for unify. Unify in the surfing arena is when a wave starts coming, you paddle in front of it. You don't wait till the wave is past you and try to paddle and catch up, which by the way, most businesses do. They say, oh my God, look at everyone, everyone jumped on that trend. I'm going to try to do it now. Sorry, too late. So you got to unify with the wave's speed and direction. And in business, once you identify the community, you got to start investigating that community. What What is the challenge they're facing collectively? Where are they moving toward? And how do you start paddling in front of it? R stands for rally cry. Um, in surfing, there's a moment in surfing and now I've never surfed myself, so this is from what I've learned from all the surfers I interviewed, that the board starts to lift out of the water. You're paddling in front of it. Now the wave is upon you. It actually lifts you up, and there's a transfer of energy from you expending energy paddling to the wave giving you the energy. It pushes mm-hmm. you. And th- there's this, this phenomenon happens in business too, and it's around the rally cry. Once you get the early adopters that you've unified with, you're delivering those early goods – if the community rallies around you, starts carrying your message for you, that's when the wave starts lifting you. And it's a fascinating phenomenon. And by the way, I didn't just write about this. The second I learned, I started experimenting. My business partner and I, we started a new business around this methodology. It's working. No, no, and it's the rally- business. Uh, it's called Profit First Professional. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah. I okay. mean, I've, I've looked into that from the last show. Yeah, yeah. So when I made wrote, made Profit First, we started Profit First Professionals, but I was already studying the phenomenon of surge and we employed it. And there's this moment where the community starts carrying you. They're promoting you. They're talking about it and they become your best marketing force. It's an interesting shift because the marketing effort, the tremendous effort to get the word out now fades away very quickly as a tremendous effort needs to go to perfecting what you deliver. And that's the next stage. G stands for gather. There's a constant gathering of knowledge. Surfers in the ocean are constantly looking for what's called the pocket. They're on the wave now. It's carrying them, but they have to get to the energy of the wave in the center. In business, once you get the early adopters carrying you, rallying around you, you need to constantly perfect your product or service to match what they need. They'll love you initially. Everyone loves Tesla now until someone smokes Tesla and the whole game may shift. Mm -hmm. So. We have to be gathering the knowledge. This is the part where you can't get lazy, um, but you have to realize your energy is also shifted from from trying to get up on the wave to now actually balancing on the wave. And in the final stage, and it truly is the final stage, is expansion. This is once you've perfected this initial formula, how do you expand it out? Where do you uh, go into other markets that need the same service solution that you can deliver to them? When this is, we're talking about the analogy of riding a wave. This is the carving, kickbacks, flips, all the different tricks you can do on yeah. waves. You d- you don't start by doing the tricks. You <laughs> step the wave and get to the pocket first. Same thing with business. <laughs> that reminds me when uh, I was just having a conversation about something very similar regarding the book Four Hour Work Week, 
mm. by Tim Ferriss, right? It was the book that kind of turned me on to the whole idea of online marketing. And it's that people don't realize that you don't get to a point where you can work four hours a week by starting off working four hours a week. <laughs> that's, so true. Yeah, that's, the, uh, that's the result of the four-hour sleep week. Yes. You know? So yeah. well, I was going to write, I was going to ask him if I could write a, can I, can I write the, the sequel to that book? Yeah. That's four hour that's, sleep week. I, I did a TV show with Tim just when he was, when that book was launched. Oh, nice. we did show, it was called the big idea with Donnie. Oh, Donnie, that's so funny. That that. But go ahead. Oh, so I meet him in the green room. We're both about to go on air together. And I said, Hey, I heard about your book for our work week. I just started reading it. I'm like, how long have you been living this way? He's like, well, I'm not living that way yet. <laughs> I say, I'm working my ass off right now to promote it and build it. He goes, this is, but this is the vision of what's truly possible. So even the guy who kind of created that system, he wasn't there yet. He had to do the four sleep hour week first. <laughs> right, exactly. By the way, that is funny that you mentioned Donnie because I don't remember. Uh, by the way, I used to love the big idea. I was so bummed when it went off. But I, I love Donnie. I love that. And um, I don't remember why I Googled him just like, I think it was this week or last mm-hmm. week or whatever. But I Googled him. I was like, what's Donnie Deutsch doing <laughs> Now, like, what is he up to? I, I guess he may yeah. have some reality show or he did or something. I thought he did. Yeah. Something like that. But, um, and I think I also, I may have been even been thinking like, man, it would be really cool to get Donnie Deutsch on my show. Like, that would be really awesome. And then I saw that he was on another friend of mine's podcast recently. I don't remember who it was, if it was Lewis Howes or Artichoke oh, or yeah, yeah. something. Yeah. But it, it's just funny that you, you just brought that up because this was like top of mind and I hadn't thought about him in years, but sorry That's to digress. So that show, well, that show was, a, I thought it was a life changer. I thought it was the best show for entrepreneurship ever. Oh, I and liked it, it so much better than, uh, I like Shark Tank, but I like, I liked it way better. Me too. Me too. It, it's a shame it went away and, and it didn't even it go away cleanly. It kind of fizzled out to weird stuff. Yeah. It's, yeah. It was too bad. Interesting. So, yeah. okay. So I love Surge and I actually, let's, let's use that. So my, my audience does hear me talking about Stiletto Coffee, which is, mm. if they haven't heard me talking about it, it is my wife and my company. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a new brand of coffee marketed towards women. And, uh, so as you were reading this off, I started to see where I kind of fit in. So we selected a market that mm-hmm. we wanted to be in, which was coffee. And there are some cool things happening in coffee. There's a lot of big trends. It's, it's definitely not going away. It's a, you know, there's a steady set of waves coming in, but I noticed mm-hmm. that, um, one of the things that nobody had been doing was marketing their coffee directly towards a demographic. We're really the first mm-hmm. that in the industry that I know of saying we're not just trying to sell amazing coffee beans and talking about our beans our beans are amazing and the roasts are out of this world but we're talking about the type of of person who would buy our product as opposed mm-hmm. to talking about ourselves so we're talking about them and because so we selected that we're like okay we think there's a trend here we don't know right but we found a way we selected it then we started to paddle in front of it if we're the only ones doing it we got to act quick so from idea to launch was like two or three months Mm. Um, what's the next one? The R, the rally cry. So I guess this is because we're now going through our first set of, you know, customers and repeat orders and we're trying to build our, 
the ones who really, really love us, the brand ambassadors and the um, whatnot. I guess we're in that stage right now. Yeah. Um, I'm, well, I'm, here's the here's the big tip around that. Yeah. Is when they start saying the why why they buy your product, not because it's good coffee, not because it spoke to them, mm-hmm. but the why. That's when the rally cry, cry starts elevating uh, you. So in our own business with Profit First Professionals, when we started hearing bookkeepers and accountants, the folks we target, saying, we're eradicating entrepreneurial poverty. Mm. This is why I do it. I was like, aha. So you didn't come up with that because I, I, I loved that line. Yeah, yeah. No, we, our community did. And we've adopted and they said, this is why we exist, to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. And they're like, yeah. And now it's become our mission statement and our filter. I love so, that. And I and it's also some advice that I do give to my clients, which is if you're looking for your unique selling proposition, if you're looking for a tagline, if you're looking for that, ask the customers, hey, why did you buy from us? So I love the fact that you said that because it's absolutely that, that, you know, there's more gold in there than anything. And as a tip for any of my business owning listeners and by the way you can you can do this i don't know if this would help you uh, i've done this for a client and i've mined some amazing gold which is right after somebody purchases your product on your web page especially if it's like a membership site or a software um right. before they log in I, I put a two question survey and the first question is just a soft one which is um hey before you log in or whatever where did you hear about us just you know find out from them if it was right. a referral somewhere else right. number two why did you decide to make this purchase today? Or why did you decide to make this investment in yourself today? And I've gotten so much great stuff because you're getting the people at the that emotional state, like right when they're purchasing. Um, and I've, I, I'll use that in sales copy and email subject lines or whatever. So I love the fact that you brought that up. Oh, yeah. Thank you. It, it, it becomes the ultimate filter. So I th- when we talk now with new prospective clientele and we say we're here to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty or they see it on our website, it either appeals them or it repulses them, right? Some people are like, what the hell does that mean? I don't even get it. Well, we're not going to be a fit here. And for everyone else, it's like, oh, I get it. And it connects. So it's ironic that our own early adopters who came up with the term have become the ultimate filter. You know, they, they've set the standard. We're allowing our community to form into a culture. And that's what the rally cry is all about. And, and that's phase your business. Where can you get your clientele really so steeped in your culture that they're actually helping define future clients? Mm. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. And that's, that is a, one of the things we don't even like officially have a brand ambassador program, although that's coming. But, um, I'm definitely, so you've given me that, oh, damn, this is why I need to read this book because it's actually, <laughs> I'm in the middle. Like I'm, you know, that trying to get that rally cry, trying to find out if this wave is going to be big enough for us right. to surf in, trying to figure it out. It's that most tumultuous point. Um, yes. and the nice part is, and I've said this is I will either earn a lot or learn a lot, but I do know that there's always another wave coming in no matter what. So. This is really, really cool. Now, were there any other big epiphanies that you had in writing the book and researching and talking to other, you know, business owners or professionals? There was, there was. So I'll give a couple. I'll give one very specific, and then I want to share the story of Brian Smith, the founder of Bug. Yeah. The the specific one is to identify a new wave. There was one common theme that came up with every business I interviewed. Whenever 
their clientele, the people they were targeting, were experiencing something that was traditional, that was inevitably uh, a trigger for a new wave. So when the you know the traditional way that accounting is done men means that there's a new way of accounting happening that's what's happening now in the accounting space what i'm very familiar with now uh the traditional way to write a letter was on a typewriter well when that became traditional it got replaced by computers and keyboards which are now traditional which mm-hmm. by the way points to the next wave music traditionally was on lps which traditionally then was on cds which traditionally were on mp3s and that means because mp3s are becoming now the traditional way to listen to music indicative that a new wave is coming in so i thought that was a fascinating but what i really love was the discussion with brian smith the the founder of uh because and i share him throughout the entire book i keep touching on his story because every element these five steps he was in Mm. so his quick story the separate phase he starts a lot of people think he just targeted the fashion market he was going after teenage girls no he was targeting surfers uh california surfers yeah and exclusively exclusively and so a lot of people don't know the UGG is a surfing shoe or boot. And what he did in the Unify, so first he identifies that community. He starts observing them. He noticed something in the Unify phase I thought was fascinating. In 1979, when UGG started, Brian Smith was down on the California surf spots watching surfers, and something interesting was happening in the industry. Year-round surfing was coming about because neoprene had been advanced enough now that the suits could be small enough and flexible enough that you could surf in neoprene suits mm. and stay warm in the cold ocean in the winter. And that meant surfers were coming in off the beach with freezing cold feet. They were still barefoot in winter out there, but when they're on the beach now, they're wrapping it in towels and blankets or trying to stick it near a fire to get warm. It was very uncomfortable to be out of the water with a neoprene suit. And that was the aha. There was surfers unifying around a challenge warm feet and so they were doing all these different things he said i can i can paddle in front of this and provide a solution he brought ug to uh to the u.s to these surfers it was a bizarre design but it was specifically designed for them it uses a shearling which is a material from sheep that does not collect bacteria so there's no odor uh it was the reason it's calf high the boots isn't because this was a boot it's because when you walk down the beach sand kicks up and that's the right height to have a boot so that sand can't get into it so you don't get all grimy sand in with your feet so and there's all these different little elements that speak to the surfer that became the rally cry the rally cry of ug was no cold feet when you're surfing like like that was literally the rally cry and the 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 most committed early adopter surfer said yeah man i want to surf year round i'll keep my feet warm then over time, he, he gathered more knowledge. He perfected the product. He spoke more and more to his community. And then he went for the final phase, which is e-expansion, expanding it out. And this is what blew my mind away. He figured out the formula, the first four stages on the California surfer. Get um, the pros and the semi-pro people wearing your products because they're the coolest of the cool. And other people see him wearing these products. They're going to do the same. So that's what he started doing. And then he said to himself, who else has cold feet and semi-pro and pro athletes? He said, well, hockey players do. So he went to the hockey community, dominated it. Hunters do, dominated it. Skiers do, dominated it. Did all this stuff. It was only when the company was doing, I mean, like, I think it was 50 to $100 million, did he then go for the most massive market, was now a fashion statement. And he went after the semi-pros, if you will, and the 
teenage girl space, which was like Brooke Shields at the time and Britney Spears, and got them wearing the shoes, and then the rest is history. The Dude, that's went. hilarious. I, I I love this because I literally never knew any of that, and I only Just, thought of like little girls wearing Uggs and like, huh? I never thought right? of it as an athletic. <laughs> it's like for athletes. It's for athletes. Now, here's the funniest part. Brian Smith is seen as a sellout. So oh, you will not catch you will not catch a surfer. You they well, will wear be caught yeah. dead. Yeah. Are you I mean there was one surfer I found who's a pro who still wears them because they're perfect. <laughs> but he's a sellout. He doesn't cater to them anymore. And that's the funny thing about this final stage in Surge the expansion. You have to make a decision. Do you really want to expand and are you willing to compromise the initial group that carried you? And it seems like from everything I studied, that's a mandatory decision. Uh, I studied bands. One of my favorite bands in the 80s, Def Leppard. I loved them. I loved High and Dry, Pyramid, all the early albums. Yeah. Then comes out this album called Hysteria. And I'm like, holy crap, they suck now. They've sold out. They've gone top 40. I, if I have to hear any more ballads, I'm going to shoot myself. And so I'm the the zitty teenage kid who loves them and will do anything to see a Def Leppard concert. And then they went through the expansion phase. Which, from their vantage point, I think is very smart. Those guys are very wealthy now, yeah. and I presume them very happy. But for me, I can't stand them. Yeah. Um, and that's what's going to happen. This happened with Apple. We loved Apple until they finally beat Microsoft, and now there's a faction of people who's like, God, Apple's this juggernaut. We hate them. Yep. So just be aware of that risk when you go into expansion. That's hilarious. It's so true. Yeah, I love the insights on this. Now, are you... Um are you using this in your like, or where are you using this in your own business, in your yeah. own stuff? Like, where are you finding yourself? Yeah. So I, I too am in the early stages, and this is for profit first professionals. For profit professionals. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I also own a manufacturing. I'm a co-owner in a manufacturing business. But nice. what do you profit, manufacture? Just out of curiosity. Oh, leather leather sheaths. The company's oh. called Hedge, Hedgehog Leather Works. Oh, cool. So we make uh, sheaths for, for, um, bushcraft type knives and stuff. But in profit first professionals, we too are in the rally phase. We're in the kind of like where you are with stiletto that we've identified our group. It's very clear who we're going after. There's, it's very clear that the community has unified around a specific problem they're trying to solve. Software is getting so sophisticated in accounting that your accounting software within the next five years will eradicate the need for an accountant or a bookkeeper. Mm -hmm. All that stuff will be replaced. It's so getting so sophisticated. So accountants and bookkeepers are being squeezed out. Now, just like taxi cabbers, taxi cab drivers and Uber, most taxi cab drivers still don't get that they're being destroyed. That's true in every industry. Most accountants and bookkeepers don't see it yet, but the early adopters are, and they are starting to to rally around our solution and and other solutions too from different vantage points, but our solution. And so now we're trying to facilitate that rally cry and and our real momentum will happen when the mass market kind of starts being forced to change. Right now, it's only the earliest adopters. Accountants and bookkeepers are still very much in need, but we think within five years, there's going to be a massive push. And the question is, over the next five years, are we going to be strong enough, have enough balance on this wave, if you will, to really ride uh, the momentum at that phase? Oh, that's awesome. Now, would you say that the best people, I mean, I can see that the the best people, like any entrepreneur, any business owner really – should read this to a um know where they're at 
I think that's one of the most important things that people don't know. They they don't assess where am I in the yeah. in the stage. Um, but also, I would think anybody interested in product development and like in physical products and looking for that stuff would absolutely eat this book up, right? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, if 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 you read like a book like Lean Startup, where you're in that iterative stage. Surge is how it plays out in the longer run. Surge is the roadmap for the Uggs of the world that took 10 or 15 years to achieve you know, billion-dollar status. But it's also the book that talks about Chef Dominic Ansel, the guy who founded the Cronut. Like, it's not necessarily about going big. It's going about big on your vision. And so this guy, he makes the Cronut. I don't know if you ever hear of the Cronut by yeah. any chance? Yeah, okay. explain to my listeners, though, because they may not know. All right, so the cronut is a blend of a donut and a croissant. Uh, he comes across this invention about seven years ago in his one bakery in New York. Explodes, explodes in popularity. There's worldwide demand for it almost overnight. He got perfectly in front of the foodie, especially dessert foodie trend wave, and people are flocking to him. He gets approached by venture capital, other folks saying, why don't you expand this out? Why don't you open a hundred bakeries? We'll make all these cronut bakeries. And he made the decision, no, that's not me. That's not who I am. And he stuck with one bakery. Today, five, six years later, whatever, he still has a line of a hundred people at his bakery before it opens <laughs> every single morning, flying in from all throughout the world to visit New York City and visit his bakery specifically. We, we have the right to define what the outcome is of our business. We can let the right size find us. We don't have to say it has to be huge and colossal. I did about Donald Trump there. Huge. It <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> it's huge. It doesn't need to be huge. It, it, it can be your definition in the expansion phase. Um, so I think any business, regardless if you're looking to go big or big, uh, big version of your own vision, I think surge applies to you. If you're the only thing it doesn't apply to is if you're in a lifestyle business, meaning I don't I don't ever want to expand or scale. I don't want to uh, to be the industry authority. I like where I am, and there's a lot of people that are like that. That's cool. That's probably the only group that the book does not really apply to. Nice. You know, this also makes me really think of um, one of, one of the other a friend of mine and one of my other podcast guests. Actually, the most downloaded episode that I have on the show is with a guy named Stephen Key. And he's the author of a book, um, One Simple Idea. He's an expert. Oh, in- yeah, yeah. I, I know him. Do you know him? Yeah. Yeah, we did another t- I did uh, the big idea of Donnie Deutsch with Stephen King. Oh, Enough really? Fun. Yeah, I was, I appeared on that show so many times. Oh, that's so cool. Because, well, I think in part because I was in New Jersey, yeah. which they filmed in New Jersey. So I was always, they, they called me last minute Charlie. If they couldn't find someone, <laughs> they were canceled. Yeah, I, listen, I'm a media whore. I'll take it Absolutely. anytime. I love it. Well, and it made me think of Steven and the whole, cause I, I have a background in licensing. I love licensing. It's, um, and it's such kind of a cool way. People don't really understand it. And when they do, they realize that when you do have an idea, when you can, if you can get in front of the wave and start paddling, et cetera, sometimes it's really intimidating to, start, manufacture, get all that stuff going. But oftentimes if you can make an improvement to a product that doesn't, that exists and, you know, create something, license it to a much bigger company, you can probably paddle even much faster. Um, and there, you know, this is not a, co- a conversation about licensing, but, uh, it just really made me think that because being able to capitalize on those waves and those opportunities before everybody else gets their boards in the water or, you know, and gets to it is critical. Speed, you know, money loves speed, they say. 
Yeah, that, that's the key. So when as I was researching this book, what I found out in this unify stage, in the rally stage where we're paddling in front of the wave, when the wave starts to carry us, when the, when the momentum is carrying us, what's happening, the phenomena is there's more demand than there is supply. So people are coming to you because, A, they don't have an alternative, and therefore you're talked about a lot. The market starts marketing you. But, or I should say, and they will be tolerant of an inferior solution at that stage because you're the only option, you're the only choice in town. So if your product's not perfect or mm-hmm. your solution isn't 100%, that's okay. And this points back to Eric Reese's book in Lean Startup. This is the minimum viable product. You can get by for a period of time not being perfect. But as the wave starts to grow, now more of the surfers out there can see it saying, oh my God, it's big. It's getting big. I want to hop on that wave. And they'll try to steal the wave from you. And that's actually a term called stealing waves. Surfer, the pro surfers or, or the jerk surfers will cut in front of you and take your wave from you. In business, it's much more competitive. People will intentionally do this, jerk or not. Mm-hmm. And um, then the wave of demand won't be as tolerant of inferiority. So it's in that that unifying kind of rally stage as the wave starts picking us up that while our marketing efforts decrease because we're just so people are so aware of us because we're one of the few available we actually have to redirect that energy very quickly you cannot be complacent here and say oh everything's working perfectly they love us look they're coming to us we don't need to do anything quite the opposite you actually need to really improve the product at this phase in order to stay on that wave when it really starts peaking yeah and that's great. Yeah, you can't rest on your laurels and think, eh, we're good. Look at us. We've yeah, and I could, by the way, I, I, I wrote the book. I freaking started making that mistake with Profit First Professionals. We started getting so much momentum. I was like, oh, my God, we got the solution perfectly nailed down, clearly. I even did in that voice, clearly. And uh, and people started fading out saying the solution isn't right. And like, oh, my God. So we redirected our efforts on improving the solution. So. That's awesome. Even though I preach about it, you know, I screw, still screw it up. Exactly. So, um, the the book is being well received so far, right? How long has it been out? Yeah. Well, so the print. So what I'm doing is something that's atypical. The print version is coming out June twentieth. The uh, electronic versions are already out, and um, yes, well received. Meaning the, in- the initial reviews are going up. Uh, people are posting about. It. I'm getting nice feedback. Yeah. Well received, I, but I think part of it too is that the book plays into the series. So this is my fourth book, and each book kind of has a spinoff or a complement off of the preceding book. So I think partly I'm blessed that I, I do have a certain number of folks that that have read multiple of my past books, and this becomes a natural, you know, kind of plug-in. It's a standalone book mm-hmm. for sure. But it's a natural plug-in for a lot of my past readers. So I, I think the early readers of my book are just awfully gracious because they've read my past books too. Yeah. No, that, that's really, really cool. I just, I literally just clicked buy on oh, you're the man. Kindle. Thank yeah. So I'll Kindle. buy it, I'll give you a nice little review and suggest that everybody else checks it out. Um, now I, I think it's, I think it's really, really cool. You've given me some insight and I love being able to kind of, not just insight, but perspective, because whenever you're able to assess where you're at and get perspective on your business or your life, it allows you to know what to do. Because as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as anybody really, there's so many things we can be doing. We're being pulled in a million different ways. Do this, do this, do this. There's a million marketing tactics. I know that I've got an entire, you know, 
database filled with marketing tactics for, that I want to do for the coffee business, but I have to assess, well, where am I? What's appropriate now? What's appropriate later? And um, filter it out. And without knowing where I'm at in the process, I can't possibly pick the things that are, that are going to work the best for me. Uh, and at the same time, I am an idea whore. I love ideas. They're my favorite <laughs> thing. I yeah. actually get jealous of people who don't, who, who complain about, man, I, I don't have that many ideas. I was like, if I had a couple less, I'd have a little more sleep. There you go. Yeah. yeah. But I love this kind of stuff. And I love knowing that, um, you know, kind of a way to gauge the ideas and a way to, um, even create new ones and new better ideas. Cause there's a lot of bad ones. Um, so just kind of replugging your other stuff, like the Profit per First Professionals is a place that, you know, folks can find resources, you know, that tie into the book Profit First, which is a definitely a must read, as well as your other book, yeah. The Pumpkin Plan. You, you Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, you've yeah. written how many books now? Like four or five? Yeah, so four, yeah, four books now. And uh, Profit First, I'm going to do expanded edition um, with uh, Penguin Books. We're we're working on it together right now. Nice. Did you self publish the first one, or did you? Yeah, I self published Profit First, and then they um, came along and said, "Hey, let's do something." Yeah, well, bigger. they. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how that process works. So the Pumpkin Plan is published through Penguin Books. I self published Profit First, and then they came back and said, "Well, we really want that book," and now they're talking about buying Surge. So it's it's a unique environment nowadays. Actually, I even write about this in Surge as an author. There's a big transition in in that space too. The traditional publishing houses, there's that word traditional again, the mm -hmm. traditional publishing houses are making a massive shift to survive. And this is causing a ripple of opportunities for authors. And I'm doing, I call it the double dip. I, I don't really know if there's a technical term, but playing a hybrid between self-published and traditional publishing is really optimal. You can do some amazing things in getting the word out, writing books that are a lot more cutting edge and different, um, and still get the backing of a traditional publisher if you kind of do this hybrid model. Well, and now the because self-publishers have so much leverage, especially if you've done it successfully before, what you can write into your contract is oh my god, so yeah. much more advantageous. Yeah, and you can go agent free. Like I, I don't have an agent. I did for a while in the past. I don't need an agent anymore. Yep. It's uh, yeah, it's unnecessary. So absolutely. Absolutely. The, um, you know, last couple questions is, you know, what's a nut you're trying to crack right now? Now, I know you want to get more, more publicity for the book. You're probably, this is probably like, you know, the, the surge, you know, the book yeah. promotion surge yeah. you're doing right now. Is there anybody you're trying to meet? Is there any, uh, you know, resources you're trying to get? Any, you know, people you need to know anything? This is where I or any of my listeners have a potential opportunity to help you out. Oh, I, I would be honored, flattered, thrilled to get on podcasts uh, because, you know, Brad, I was, I've been doing some studies, like what gets the word out most effectively and the, huh, here's that surge, right? So it used to be email. An email blast is still the most effective, a one-time mm -hmm. blast to get the word out, but it's fading now at an exponential rate where podcasting is starting to grow at an exponential rate. And there will always be this thing that has an impact. It's very clear that it's podcasts now. And I don't know how long that wave's going to ride out, if it's going to be a few more years or, or another decade, but podcasts are it. So 
I'd be honored or humbled and yeah. both. No, I, any I, introductions to podcasters? Yeah, I definitely got a handful of uh, people that. Except I, for Michael O'Neill, he's a jackass. No, he is such a jackass. Oh, such a jackpot. That's gonna be we're gonna make that the opening thing, the first thing people hear. Ah, yeah, good. You totally made that the opening. Michael O'Neill is a jackwad. <laughs> he's gonna love. He, it. Um, I had him on my podcast, and it went so south, so far, so fast. It was unbelievable. <laughs> And and then on top of it, he's the grammar police. So he starts like if if you use a word inappropriately, he'll jump on top and say, "Dude, dude, come on. <laughs> he's awesome. funny and he's uh, so if, he's any, a- if anybody doesn't know Michael O'Neill, he's the host of the uh, Solopreneur Hour, and uh, I was a guest on there. I know you've been a guest on there. Yeah. Uh, really, really a great show. Um, cool, man. I, I love it. So if there's anybody else out there, other podcast hosts who are listening to my show, taking notes, Michael McCallowitz is available for yep. you too. And I got a couple intros I will make. Oh, thank you. Well, man, uh, this has been great. Look forward to diving into the book, reading it and catching my own surge. There you go, Brad. So, thank you. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for tuning in again. Michael, thanks for being a guest again, coming back and sharing uh, your insights. It's always fun to have you. If um, there are any questions you have, email me, askbrad at baconwrappedbusiness.com. Send me those book recommendations that you've got, as I mentioned in the first part of the show. Go buy yourself uh, or your your favorite woman some stiletto coffee from stilettocoffee.com, <laughs> also available on Amazon. You know, unofficial sponsor of the show. And if you are looking for help to grow your business and get, you know, find out where you're at, whether you're stuck, whether there's too many marketing options, you don't know what to do and you are, your head is kind of spinning. Uh, you either need a cash injection from uh, some marketing strategies that work or you just need, um, a second opinion on you know, what you're doing right now, if it's the right or wrong thing, send me an email to ask Brad at Bacon Rat Business. Let me know. We can potentially jump on the phone, talk about it, see if there's any way that I could potentially help you out. If you like the advice, maybe you decide to um, become a strategic partner of mine, work with me in some form or another, but there's only one way to find out, which is to ask. In fact, ask Brad at baconwrapbusiness.com. All right, Mike, thanks again for being on the show again, and I look forward to jumping into this and wish you the best, brother. Oh, it's been a joy. Thanks for having me on. Thank you.